Hey, Johnny, good morning. Uh, let's give everybody, say, three more minutes. Thank you for joining me. Hey, good morning, Jonathan. Uh, just, I'm going to give, uh, three more minutes and I'll get, I'll get started. Thank you for joining. Hey, good morning, July. Thank you for joining. Uh, two more minutes and uh, I'll get started. Okay, I'm going to get started. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, today's March the 19th. And uh, today I'm going to talk about the arrest warrants. Uh, even though the title is about the, the, called the Imperial Supreme Court, which I do want to cover, uh, hopefully quickly. And uh, then I want to talk about arrest warrants because uh, the International Criminal Court issued a arrest warrant of uh, Putin, and uh, the Manhattan court issued a arrest warrant, at least it will be on Tuesday, uh, of Trump, uh, two very big famous people, right? Uh, if you are a Ukrainian, uh, is that good news for you? Because after all, these two are supposed to be colluding with uh, against Ukraine, and, uh, and uh, so uh, if not, and I would love to hear from you why you are not excited about this news. The, uh, I myself was subject to search warrant, not the, not the arrest warrant because, uh, uh, the FBI obtained the two search warrants, one in 2019, one in 2020. Uh, the first one is to search my house. The second one is to search my Gmail accounts and, uh, which, uh, I contested the second one. So I kind of know a little bit about, little bit about search warrants and the uh, arrest warrants. And uh, before I do that, I'm just going to quickly go over the topics today. 
The topic today is the Imperial Supreme Court by a Harvard Law Review article. This article is written by a Stanford Law professor by the name of Mark Lemley. L E M L E Y is his last name. Well, folks, if you follow this show from the start,、uh, you probably know I love to get the third-party opinion on the courts, on our justice system, right? I don't want to sound like I'm just all by myself talking aloud about this theory of this judicial white privilege theory. I always enjoy to grabbing. Other people's opinion. So in the last Sunday, I talked about the fact that I actually got interested in this topic through Peggy McIntosh's work because she was the one who initially brought up this concept of white privilege. And then I disagreed with her. I I felt that the the white privilege is a legal construct, a, a governmental advantage, an advantage coming from the government. And、uh, and of course, very soon I find out there's a famous Harvard law professor by the name of a Lawrence Tribe, T R A B E, that、uh, he had a article on a Q and A section、uh, session with a New Yorker journalist, and、uh, he talks about the Supreme Court has a history. Let me, hold on a second. I want to make sure I got it correctly. He is the one who who said、uh, who said the the Supreme Court has a history of being the tool for the most powerful forces in this country, and、uh, that was an eye opener for me because、uh, Lawrence Tribe, he himself, is a member of the Federalist Society. If you don't know about the Federalist Society,、uh, all the Trump. Appointees to the U.S. Supreme Court are members of the Federalist Society. Lawrence Tribe is also a member of the Federalist Society. And in that New Yorker's article, he has said he used to compile a college teaching material for law schools outside the United States, where he talks about how great the American jurisprudence was. And he said that he stopped doing that because of, through his research he realized that the Supreme Court of the United States really has been not that consistent, and、uh, he he so he stopped working on that particular piece, which is a very very big deal because now you literally have a legal scholar after studying the U.S. history after studying the history of American jurisprudence, he f- no longer feels that. It is something worth exporting to the academia in other countries, which I find out to be very interesting. Now, of course,、uh, last week I talked about Karen, this、uh, fictional figure character, which is also a proof that not only Mac-、uh, Peggy McIntosh, the professor, acknowledged that she has a unearned advantage, quote unearned advantage, unquote. Karen, this fictional character, literally, how is the expert on the street? An expert on the street on how to get that 
unearned advantage through our justice system. Now, Karen knows how to work with the cop, how to call 911, say appropriate things to the 911 operators so the cops will arrive to her, uh, to his, re to her rescue, even though she was the rule breaker. Right? So, so that, so Karen is just another best friend forever for me, for this show. Now, today, uh, uh thank you, Brady, for calling in and I'm, I'm going to have you to be the uh, moderator. And today I'm going to talk about Mark Lamley's article. Go, go ahead, Brady. You want to, you have something to say? But, um, an accident. Um, but Brianna Greyjoy recently asked a lady, um, to define woke. And that girl that she uh, asked has recently come out and been exposed on Twitter as a total Karen. So I'll, I'll post a link to Oh, cool. Thank you. Oh, by the way, you guys can issue a judgment on me on this show. Is this show a woke show or not? <laughs> I would love to have a debate on that. Is this show a woke show? Totally woke. Go ahead, Brady. It's, it's woke you all think the it's way. You totally woke? Woke all the uh, okay. way. Okay. I, I, I actually disagree. <laughs> okay. But it, it, we'll have a debate, uh, Brady. I appreciate it. So the, uh, I got hold of this Harvard Law Review article again the title is quote the imperial supreme court unquote imperial is a very strong word right it is as strong as white privilege right so i got a hold of this article through another professor uh law professor in baltimore her name is uh kimberly just a second kimberly blah, 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 blah. Wheelie, W-E-H-L-E is her last name. She is a pretty prolific opinionate, uh, opinionator, uh, talking heads. Uh, uh, she's on C-SPAN. She's on NS, NBC, uh, NBC. She's on ABC. She's a pretty, you know, well-spoken, uh, law professor also. She also wrote an article in the journal called The Atlantic. I guess that the, the Atlantic is the journal of the brainiest uh, Westerners, right? The Atlantic probably is the the opinion leader, the public a publication of all the opinion leader uh, of the West. So she also wrote this article titled, quote, the Supreme Court just keeps deciding it should be even more powerful. The subtitle is whatever conservative ethos of restraint Judicial restraint, there once was, has vanished. Unquote. So she is very, very hostile towards the U.S. Supreme Court. Also, what she did is pretty much uh, following up on what Professor Lamley's article, the Imperial Supreme Court, basically attacking that the court is becoming a, a, a arrogate itself into unrestricted, unfettered judicial power. Do I agree with them? Yes, I do. But I have my critics about their article. However, just by these two law professors saying what they are saying now, it's just another evidence. What I'm trying to say here is not that out of whack. It's not that responding to Brady's accusation. This show is not about being woke, as a matter of fact. This show is all about if you have a law 
if you have a democracy, if you have a court, you actually do have to follow the law, including the supreme law of the land. That includes the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay, so that is not about being woke. It's about being, you know, do you follow the letter of the law? Because if the government, if the courts, if the FBI intentionally not to follow the law, then the people, we the people, will have to take the law into our own hands. And that is not a good scenario you want this country to get into. Okay, so now I'm just going to quickly go over what this guy, Professor Lamley, is saying. This is in his article. I'm, I'm going to be brief. He said, quote, in part one, I showed that the court has not been favoring one branch of government over another or favoring states over the federal government or the rights of people over governments. Rather, it is withdrawing power from all of them at once. In part two, I suggest that the Imperial Supreme Court is something new and dangerous and that we must consider more radical options to protect the American form of government, unquote. What I just said is what this professor wrote in abstract, what his article is about. So first of all, he said the Supreme Court is no longer deciding, deciding who should have more power. Is it the legislative branch or the executive branch? It's not deciding whether the federal government should have more power over states or the vice versa. They are no longer deciding whether the rights of the individuals is more important over the power of the government. The Supreme Court just say, we, the court, has all the power. In part two, the professor is basically saying, this is getting so bad, we need, quote, more radical options, unquote. What is that? I don't know. I have mentioned in my last episode, Jane Fonda came out again. And she, when she was asked about what to do in addition to protests and demonstrations against the Dobbs decision, and her response is, and quote her, murder, unquote. That's what she said. So it's not just me saying this is really, really bad. These are the law professors saying this is really, really bad. Another thing I want to bring up is this. Again, going back to this law professor, Professor Blamley of the Stanford University. He also said in abstract, he said, I also, quote, I also showed that this result cannot be explained by any consistent judicial philosophy. The court is happy to embrace conflicting philosophies to achieve the ends it wants in the case before it, unquote. Well, I have said that too. I use a different word in my past episode. I called it jurisprudential incoherence. Jurisprudential incoherence. In fact, there's so many decisions in the history, they don't jive with each other. There's no consistency among the two. It is expressed differently by Professor Lemley, but I call it judicial 
ju uh, judicial incoherence. It's like these justices, they're drunk. They don't even read their own decision 30 years ago, 40 years ago, or 100 years ago. Just They just do it on a whim. This is a very, very bizarre. Okay, this is really, very bizarre. I'm going to uh, offer my critiques of these pro pro uh, these two pro professors later. So I'll just, but I want to just cover that. What this guy, this professor said, I already covered it. Meaning that you cannot follow with a consistent logic when you follow these Supreme Court decisions, right? And I've said in Dobbs' decision, just remind everybody again, the original Roe v. Wade is decided the majority, five of the majorities are Republican appointed. You cannot say they are less Christian than the six majority conservative justices on today's Supreme Court. They are Christian also. <laughs> How come they, they, they acknowledge a federal right for the women about their own health care? While today's conservative, unquote, I will quote, I will put a quote when I say these are conservative. I will, I will consider them more Christian judges other than conservative judges. Okay. So, so this is the one. The, uh, the, so, so the first one is really these, both these two professors is saying the Supreme Court now has so much unchecked judicial power, and it's not a good thing. I'm going to uh, offer more quote from this uh, professor, Kimberly Willie. She's saying very similar thing. Again, she's just following up. She just published her article uh, this month in March. The, uh, professor Lamley's article was published December of last year. So this uh, professor Kimberly Willie, she's really just following up what this Stanford prof uh, professor saying. This is what she said. Quote, by its own maneuvering, the modern Supreme Court has made itself the most powerful branch of government, superior to Congress, superior to the president, superior to the state, superior to its own president, procedure, and norms. In effect, superior to the people. End quote. That's her words. That is very true. <laughs> I, I differ on, on one one point, which I'm going to tell you guys later. Now, she used the word, very strong word also. She used that it, it's a guarantee of anarchy down the road. Yeah. I've been speaking to different lawyer friends of mine, and they're saying that the Supreme Court totally lay out a chaotic path forward. Nobody knows how the court is going to rule in the future. Now, again, back to this uh, Professor Kimberly Willie. She said, the Supreme Court is a threat to the whole system. That's her words, not mine. More from this Professor Kimberly Willie. Uh, by the way, I have posted the, the three links in the in the description of today's episode. Uh, these three links shows you the these uh, law school journals plus um, MSN's uh, uh, commentary on these two articles.
So according to the law professor, this is not how it's supposed to work. And the, the future looks green because the voters and to a lesser degree, lawmakers are powerless to stop the legal carnage. Both professors are, are very, very pessimistic about the current situation. The first professor, Professor Lenny said, we will need a more radical options to effect a change. And here, this lady law professor saying, the future looks grim. She said, again, I quote her, quote, a too powerful and accountable court is a threat to the entire system. Short of a constitutional amendment retracting their life tenure or a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate willing to do controversial things such as restricting the court's jurisdiction or expanding the number of justices, there is nothing the voting public can really do about this political power grab and its lasting impact on the levels, on the lives of millions. This is according to Professor Kimberly Wheelie. Very, very strong word. Very, very strong word. And I have said in, uh, in my episode in July 4th, last, last year, 2020, I've said this country do need a second revolution. The second independence. The government is become so powerful. The people is being put in a chokehold. As simple as that. Right? Now I'm just glad these two law professors literally saying the same thing. Saying this is out of our reach. We need to do something more radical. Go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, the two professors have come out with an article that'll, uh, that'll uh, talk about this and realize and recognize the danger that our society is in. I always like to think of uh, and frame my arguments and frame my thoughts under the neoliberal era that we're living under. So let me, if I may uh, briefly explain or kind of give a, my definition of what I mean by neoliberalism. That is, and I take this information from a couple of resources, but one in particular, and I tell everybody that I talk to, that one of the best resources you can go to to find out about the definition and the history of neoliberalism is a five-part series on YouTube called This is Neoliberalism. Uh-huh. And in that... Yeah, mm-hmm. and in that uh, and in that series, and in my understanding of neoliberalism, it's all about breaking down national rules and regulations to allow oligarchs to trade, buy and sell across countries, so that uh, they 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 promote competition between individuals and uh, damper down or or or, or, or uh, stamp out the the the, uh, the 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 power that governments have. And, uh, and also always like to, uh, to qualify when we talk about government, right? I think that most people in America would agree that we are no longer a government of, by and for the people. We're no longer a republic, but rather are ruled by, uh, by oligarchs, uh, elite people that have captured both parties that pass laws again uh, to favor elites. So when I see an article or when I see judges recognizing that the uh, Supreme Court now has 
has got power over and has such power that it mutes the both branches of government and that they can see in history that there's no coherency or no consistency. It's quite, uh, I guess, I guess I can say the word I'm looking for is quite um, understandable that it would reach this point to where the Supreme Court now sees itself as law. Now, what you said earlier about a revolution and how it is that Congress won't change it, right, and that we need a or an amendment, uh, that also is problematic because, um, you know, we can't really get together as a society being liberals. And what I mean by liberal is I would take John Mersheimer's, I guess, statement, uh, the professor from Chicago, International Relations, would say something, I think it goes something like this. He said, the problem with liberalism or liberals is that they can never come to first principles. Liberals as in focusing uh, and, focusing and uh, enhancing, whether what was the word, focusing on and emphasizing on the rights of the individual, whereas the Eastern societies focus on collect the collective. So I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that yes, there we, there has to be a radical change, but that radical change, unfortunately, I agree with the professors, right? That it's a grim uh, future, a grim prospect, simply because of what Marshheimer would say that we can never agree. Now, when you talk about radical, radical, mm-hmm. some people would say radical as the extreme. I take the definition of the world word radical as to the root. Right, and I think that most people in America, if they think about it, would agree that the root problem is uh, the neoliberal ideology that has taken our government over 40, uh, 40 uh, years now, four decades. So, yeah, I kind of agree. It's pretty grim, you know. Yeah, I appreciate your comment. The uh, I have said uh, before is that uh, you know uh, I, I'm going to call back to to this. Uh, uh, you know, she has said, you know, with all these, uh, lifetime, uh, tenure and all those, uh, things that you, it, it's, you're hopeless if you want to make changes. I've said this before is that these judges, they have a lifetime tenure. You, you can only impeach a federal judge. You cannot, you, you know, they can do whatever they want pretty much. And, uh, you know, that's why I said my problem with the judicial white privilege is not the word white. It's the word privilege. They get away. It's called absolute judicial immunity. Right. So, 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 so with that in hand, but going back to this, I actually do see some hope. Oh, by the way, July, you probably can tell just by going through these two articles, learning from what these two law professors saying. They absolutely need to have a, a greater public awareness about the judicial corruption in this country. And I think that's why I'm very up, up to making, you know, a documentary that can reach to millions and millions of people to have a, a meaningful conversation, how to have a fundamental reform of our justice system. Right. So, 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 so going back to this uh, law professor She's saying all these people have a lifetime tenure. You cannot do anything. However, I do what, do know one thing. This is why, you know, as an example, Brady is incorrect when he believes this show is about being woke. Is that I have bring it up. Recently, when Trump announced his 2024 uh, presidential run, he said one of his things he wants to do 
is to make laws to establish term limits to all federal offices. Okay, so in other words, I will I will definitely say all the judges. If the president has only two terms, then all the judges can only have two terms. I'm sorry, you're not that great to deserve a lifetime tenure. I'm sorry because、uh, back then the lifetime tenure is placed in to prevent judges to get involved with the politics. Nowadays, the judges are entirely get involved themselves. Into the politics. You just look at the Clarence Thomas and what uh, uh, his uh, wife is doing after the 2020 election, right? Can you do anything about him? No, nothing. It's a lifetime tenure. No, no. We don't need any politicians, any government people, to be in his or her position for life. He or she is not that great. You know that will be just one example. So, so go ahead, Johnny. If you want to have some. Yeah, the、uh, you 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 bring up really good points,、uh, reasonable and、uh, and are you know logical points. That I think that you know a lot of people in America may not be as articulate as you in explaining the situation, but they're sort of intuitively know that even the courts have been corrupted, right? Yeah. A lot of people in America also wouldn't even know the definition of neoliberalism. Uh, but yet, it is exactly that ideology that has reached and infiltrated in all all aspects of our society, in the courts, in 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 in, in everywhere, in philosophy, in education, in in everywhere. It has infected the whole nation. So, to me, the the, the question then becomes, what what power? And this is what a lot of people would say that we we have apathy. That the American、uh, electorate is apathetic, and I don't think that's the case. Apathy, as in they don't care. No, I think that very many people care, both conservatives and and liberals, left and right, you know, and even independents. Everybody cares. The problem we run into is this powerlessness, you know. So、uh, even though we do, we might not again. Be able to explain and articulate the issues as well as other people. We know that there's a problem, but we just don't know how to fix it. And what makes it worse is that these articles that you、uh, had mentioned,、uh, you know, those articles are not going to be published. They're not going to be pretty much uh, 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 spread out in, in the United no, States. No, you won't、They're、be that, that. Yeah. Right. That Harvard law,、uh, that Harvard law review article. I bet anyone who is on this call、uh, can finish reading it. It's very technical, but it's very good because、uh, yeah. he lists.、Uh, you know, I just jumped right into his conclusion, but he actually wrote it extremely in great de- detail. It's very, very fascinating. I mean, only when you have a lot of time and then you,、uh, you know, get some Starbucks coffee, you, you, you can read it. You can understand、yeah. what he's saying. You know,、I'm、no,、right. no doubt. I like to forget、yeah. that, you know. Uh, uh, and as far as uh, uh, the, uh, the the strategy, you can say, you know, we need a revolution. You know,、uh, I've been following、uh, Steve Grumbine's、uh, channel, Real Progressives, for a while, and he focuses on the heterodox uh, uh, understanding understanding of,、um, of finance. And uh, his uh, his viewpoint is that if we just educate people on understanding how. Government spends and taxes. Therefore, now we can we we have a a means to recapture our government from the elites, making 
uh, elections free and fair, right? Because the whole issue, now I wouldn't say that this would fix it, but it would go a long way in the a big, huge steps in the right direction. That is what you mentioned earlier, an amendment to the Constitution. Uh, but we don't get that, right? We don't get that unless we have the power to, to go there. So uh, I think it's a really interesting topic. I think that uh, there does have to be radical change, and I am for a person who uh, advocates a revolution. I have my own strategy, but that's a duck topic for a different show. So, yes, uh, absolutely. I, okay. Yes, I look forward to have a more discussion in that regard. Yes, I appreciate it, Johnny. So, so let, let me continue with this. So, I'm going to talk about uh, my critiques. Again, I'm a big fan of these two articles, of course. No doubt about that, right? I just want to quickly have a, of my two cents is that both articles are always limited their critiques on the modern Supreme Court, quote, modern Supreme Court, as if this kind of a behavior, this is a kind of a judicial misconduct only occurred recently. I actually disagree because I used uh, uh, Professor Lawrence Tribe's comments that courts historically has a history of helping the powerful forces in this country. Now, not my observation. It's, this is by this, this guy, Lawrence Tribe, you know, and he is not, you cannot say he is a, a woke person or he is a uh, conservative. He's just saying, you know, that's his job as a Harvard law professor. And, uh, and, uh, and also, uh, July has uh, shared with me this, uh, Brianna Joy Grace interview with another Harvard law professor, a uh, corporate law professor by the name of Hanson, H-A-N-S-O-N, about, uh, how the courts has sided with the big corporations when it comes to, uh, uh, the big corporation liability for disasters such as this, uh, uh, Ohio, uh, Palestine, Ohio, uh, 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 train derailment. And that's another great podcast. I have not dig deeper into that, the, the, the case laws in that, in that show. Uh, because you probably can tell from my perspective, I always want to know whether the, the, the party that was wronged by the courts belongs to racial minorities or not. Because that's usually my first go-to. Uh, but I, it doesn't mean that I deny the fact that uh, in a capitalist society, the courts uh, likely will side with the capitalists other than the workers or, or, or the poor people, right? I'm not going to deny that, of course. But but I'm going to look further is that historically, the courts has always been sided with the powerful because the courts has always been in that privileged position. The courts can do no wrong, right? You will have uh, all the bar associations, uh, legal scholars singing praises about the court, right? So I don't, I disagree with these two professors uh, by saying that I don't think this kind of a judicial misconduct only occurred in the modern Supreme Court. It happened before. So that's the one thing I disagree with them. The second one is this. Uh, Professor Kimberly Willey, she is a female, right? So she's clearly upset with the Dobbs decision. So in her article, she compared the, 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 the she argued that in the Dobbs decision, the Supreme Court let the state to decide whether a woman 
have their right their rights to their you know over their body basically. While in the gun control issue, the U.S. Supreme Court take back the gun rights back to the federal court, striking down a 100-year-old New York State gun law. Now she is upset with that. Well, I agree. I understand. I'm sympathetic, sympathetic with the fact that she has been very upset with the Dobbs decision. But I don't think these two things can are, are, are the same, because the gun right, the Second Amendment rights, is explicit in the Constitution, and uh, the uh, the rights to privacy is explicit in the Constitution. I'm pretty sure, but the rights to abortion, in my opinion, the Supreme Court is intentionally looked the other way. You know, I am going to do my episode, my last episode about the Dobbs decision in April, on April the 30th, in honor of this leaker of the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm going to explain to the audience why the U.S. Supreme Court has intentionally looked the other way when the rights to privacy for women is clearly on the, in, within the Fourth Amendment, uh, of the Constitution. So, so, so I'm a little bit critical of a Professor Kimberly Really, uh, because uh, no, I'm not trying to jump ahead. I'm going to just quickly read the Fourth Amendment. "Quote: The right of the people to be secured in their person, how in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable search and seizure should not be violated." Just focus on the word "persons." The right of the people to be secure in their persons. Now, remind you, when the Founding Fathers wrote this uh, Fourth Amendment, the persons means only one kind of person, a white male, right? We we'll all be agreeable with that, right? But in today's, in today's society, when we say a person need to be secure, people to be secure in their persons, that means the manhood and the womanhood must be secured. Under the, under the Fourth Amendment. Right? So it's not that complicated. So my question will be, is that personhood, that womanhood, that manhood implied in the Fourth Amendment of the United States? You think all the nine justices, any one of them, will they ever be discussing this? Why not? You know? So to those uh, Christian justices, Again, I don't call them conservative justices. I call them Christian justices. I can understand where, why they would intentionally look the other way and not look at these words. The right of the people to be secured in their persons. I can understand why these Christian justices will not look the other, uh, look into this word. Right. So, so that in a nutshell is, uh, I felt that I'm going to cover this, uh, stops in the April 30th episode. So that's my little critics about this. Next thing I want to talk about is this. The word court is widely used in wars, in political conflict, in, in military conflict, in international conflict, in domestic conflict. The court is always used is this. Because every time you attach the court to what you're trying to say, it make it sound more legitimate, right? More legally sound, right? But the, the fact is that this is what I hate 
is that the law has always been used as a weapon. You know, I learned this word, the lawfare, from another calling host, uh, Ali. Uh, I, I think his name is Ali. No, I'm, no, my apology. I forgot him. He is a big Trump supporter. He, I learned this word from him. He basically he's saying all these prosecution of the, about uh, against Trump is just a part of the lawfare by the Democrats against Trump. Now I I think there's some truth in it. I believe this country, especially in, in recent memories, all these. Uh, Litigations, uh, they are all lawfare by the grudge for judges and the weaponized lawyers. Lawyers is just like a, in old days, a hired legal assassin of, of, of your political enemies. You know, I have learned that this, uh, uh, YouTube channel, I encourage people to watch it if you have time. I find out to be very entertaining, even though I disagree with them. I consider them a, a, a just a channel of lawfare, but this channel is called the Midas Touch. One word: M E I D A S, not Midas. M I D A S. It's Midas. M E I D A S Touch. T O U C H. One word. It's a group of uh, Democrat lawyers. Okay, talking all day, very frequently, about the Republicans. As a matter of fact, I think yesterday when there's an announcement that Trump is going to be indicted, 13,000 live audience is listening to this. Uh, go ahead and uh, follow them. I, I, I do. I'm going to watch them. But but I will, I will give you an example. These lawyers are weaponized lawyers. This is how things work in this country. Basically, lawyers are not for people's rights. Lawyers are for the rights of the political parties, big corporations. Okay? I think uh, you can Google this. Uh, these days, uh, I mean, not, not these days. It's been long like this. It's very difficult to find so-called, to find so-called plaintiff lawyers. You okay. It's very easy to find so-called, uh, def, uh, corporate lawyers, meaning that Lawyers are mostly helping corporations, political parties to engage in defense of these powerful entities. It's if you are little, you know, nobody, if you are just a regular Joe six pack, doesn't matter what political parties you belong to. If you were wronged, it's very hard to find plaintiff attorneys. Okay. That, that, that's just a fact. So here in this channel, all they're talking about, oh, the Trump is going to be indicted. Oh, of course, uh, you can imagine Michael Cohen is, is the frequent guest and all that. Here's what I see. Okay. There is a lawyer by the name of Karen Friedman Agnifilio. Her last name spells A-G-N-I-F-I-L-O. Karen Friedman Agnifilo. She was excited that Trump is going to be indicted. She bragged about her credential is this. She served as the chief assistant district attorney for the Manhattan district attorney's office. The same office that is going to issue the indictment of Trump. My question for this uh, former Chief Assistant District Attorney, the second in line of their office, 
Karen Freeman Agnifilio is this. We all know Trump is a womanizer. Very likely Trump is a freaking rapist. It's likely, okay? We all know Trump likely commit uh, tax fraud. How come it takes, uh, by the way, she said she served in that office since 2010, which means that she's been there for over 10 to 12 years. Why it takes so long to go after Trump? Isn't it because he ran for president of the United States and won? I will say yes. And how come you guys never pursue him when he was running around in New York, Manhattan and doing all these shitty dealings and all the shitty stuff with the women? You didn't do anything. You were the chief assistant district attorney. You didn't do anything. Or somehow all of a sudden you, you woke up and you find out Trump did many, many bad things. Now you're celebrating finally he got indicted. Well, the very fact that you never go after him is just because you also, even though you label yourself as a progressive, you are in the cahoots with the most powerful people of the United States. It's simple as that. Right? So, 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 and also we know the, uh, Republicans not in control of the House. They have this thing called the Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Now, as if the, in the GOP's narrative is that the federal government has been recently weaponized against the GOP. It's like Donald Trump and Sean Hannity's dream. We have a two-tiered justice system. You're, you're right. We have a two-tiered justice system since a long, long time ago. We have a weaponized the federal government since uh, decades and decades ago. It's not just recently. The only difference is that now the GOP, now the most powerful white man by the name of Donald Trump, is on the hook of a weaponized justice system. Go figure. Right? So that's what I want to talk about. Because, uh, you know, we cannot be selected. Law has to be even-handed. Law has to be impartial. The justice has to be impartial. You folks, um, we are on the, uh, on the calling quite often, and we recently talked a great deal in calling about this word censorship, right? The practice of censorship. You know, Brady has a lot to say about censorship on calling. I'll tell you, you know, we, we, you know, I have said that the, the, the Twitter files is all about censorship, not because of Twitter, but because the FBI, right? But think the other way. If you think that only the GOP are the victims of the censorship, now think again. I just learned recently about following the Jimmy Kimmel episode that he learned, Jimmy Kimmel himself, the comedian, learned back in 2018, President Trump, in the White House, contacted the Disney, the owner of ABC, I guess, the, the, the boss of Jimmy Kimmel. He, Donald Trump pressured Disney to pull Jimmy Kimmel's show because Jimmy Kimmel made many, many nasty, nasty jokes about Donald Trump. Is that censorship? Yes. Why I have a problem with it? Not because Donald Trump is rich. It's only because Donald Trump is the president of the United States. 
I am 100% against any government get involved censoring people. That is just illegal. That should be a crime. But Trump did the same. As much as he wants to cry about Facebook censoring him, Twitter censoring him. Yeah, we all know LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, tried to censor uh, Mike Wallace, right? LBJ called the CBS on the telephone call and asked them to pull Mike Wallace out of Vietnam because Mike Wallace is saying too many damaging things, right? And does calling host do censorship? Yes. You know, I was once censored because of this, uh, this guy, he, 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 he is having a room. So I was uh, saying something and all of a sudden he just turned ended the entire room. I don't even know why. I thought there's a technical glitch. And later on, I learned he just does not like what I'm saying. I was saying. But do I care a great deal about those censorship? Not really, because these are private to private action. And I, I personally discourage censorship among ourselves, right? But I don't make it a big deal. All right. But where every time when a government tries to censor us, we should be very, very alarmed and we should be together, whether you are a progressive or whether you are woke or whether you are conservative, you should stand up saying this is a criminal, period. Okay, so so now I want to just quickly talk about the warrants, <laughs> court-issued warrants. I learned the three warrants. I'm going to talk uh, about the three of them. One is this. A Taiwanese soldier stationed in the island outside the main island of Taiwan defected to mainland Taiwan. I found out to be hilarious because uh, this guy, this soldier, literally have to take off his clothes and swim across the ocean to reach mainland China. And, uh, and uh, because of what he did, the Taiwanese government issued a warrant, arrest warrant against him. I find out that to be hilarious because I think it's a total waste of time to issue a warrant if a soldier defected. Okay, so that's a little warrant. You know, I want to say because uh, Taiwan definitely wants to label itself as uh, one of the government belonging to the Western world, right? And uh, so, so they want to do this in my opinion, very similar to what the Western uh, government wants to do. They want to do it, quote, legally, unquote. So they issued a arrest warrant of this soldier. And of course, uh, this soldier's family, in order to protect themselves, is totally devouring their sons and, uh, and yada, yada, yada. I just, this is a little bit, bit of geopolitical thing. I personally don't believe there will be a war for Taiwan because as someone from mainland China, I'm against any armed mean, uh, violent means to re, to re -unif uh, unification of a China, uh, of Taiwan into China. It's not worth it. And also I know most Taiwanese soldiers at the basic level, at the squad level, they themselves don't want to have a war with the Chinese across the Taiwan Strait. They just don't. I know most of the Taiwanese retired Taiwanese, Taiwanese generals have come out and say, if the actual war actually breaks out, 
the only patriotic thing a Taiwanese soldier can do is to drop their arm and surrender. I agree with this retired Taiwanese generals. For me, as someone from mainland China, I'm, I will strongly condemn the Chinese government if they ever use arms, violent means, to bring Taiwan back. Okay, so again, I believe this arrest warrant of, of this defecting soldier is a complete waste of time. The second one is about the arrest warrant of Donald Trump. I have said before, Trump being Trump, I highly suspect there is something about his taxation, uh, uh, tax fraud. There's something there about his uh, sexual offense against women. The, there are a lot of validity of claims of what he does. But the very fact that he defeated Hillary Clinton and became the president of the United States, this has really drive a deep, deep grudge among all the progressives, including those weaponized lawyers, prosecutors, and judges. Okay. Using some $130,000 to bribe Stormy Daniel to not to say something about him. Is that bad? Yes. Is that a crime? Yes, it is. But considering all the circumstances, is this really something you want to do? Now, I personally don't think so. I personally don't think so. Because you have to remember, Trump, I think the, the Supreme Court, the entire the Supreme Court, the, the conservative, uh, the, the Christian justice, they are in the cahoots with Donald Trump. Donald Trump will have all kinds of legal weapons to counter the weaponization of our justice system. I personally like this arrest warrant for the reasons that it will give me more materials of how dysfunctional our justice system is. Okay? But from a moral perspective, from a political perspective, I think indictment of Donald Trump for paying $130,000 to, to, uh, to uh, Stormy Daniel is a very, very weak case. Even if it is a valid case, it's a weak case. In my opinion, it could be easily defeated just by some pre-trial motions. Because remember, Trump can literally go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court to challenge the validity of this arrest warrant. Just want to lay it out there. Okay. By the fact these uh, Midas Touch channel all these uh, weaponized uh, progressive lawyers gleefully celebrating this indictment. In my opinion, it's a very pathetic, but it's good for me. It's good for the show. It just shows that our justice system is entirely a political tool. End of the story, period. Okay, so the last arrest warrant is about this uh, warrant on, on Putin. Ask yourself, if a Stanford law professor called our U.S. Supreme Court an imperial Supreme Court, what do you think about the International Criminal Court? Is that a, a, superior, a, a, a colonial court or is it an imperial court? Think about it.
ICC, the International uh, Criminal Court, is not uh, uh, accepted by three powerful nations, U.S., Russia, and China. Why is that? Now, I have talked about this. In one of his episodes, uh, Scott Ritter said this. I found out to be hilarious because uh, Scott Ritter is the weapon inspector. So whatever he's finding has some implication in the UN, United Nations, and the International Criminal Court, right? Involving, say, crum, crum, uh, chemical weapons or, or biological weapons and all that, right? And this is what his comment about ICC. He said, ICC is a total fraud. ICC is a court established by Europeans, the white people. Majority of the cases of ICC, the defendants are from African countries. How that sounds to you, if you are African countries leader, you literally have an ICC on top of you. Whatever you do may be considered a war crime and a European country can send someone to arrest you, issue an arrest warrant of you, and arrest you, and bring you to the European country where you're going to face judges there who are mostly controlled by the European government. Would that be an impartial court? It's not. Right? So just imagine, if the U.S. Supreme Court is an imperial court, what is the ICC? It's a total fraud. You know, as you know, if Putin is, has committed war crime and the Xi Jinping of China is visiting him, can she be considered aiding, uh, abating an international fugitive? Does that make Xi Jinping also an international war criminal? And who got to say that? Because to accuse someone to commit a war crime, you have to be very specific. Now, I have not read exactly what Putin did with those children purportedly being forced to relocate from Ukraine to Russia. I will, I, I, I'm going to read it when it comes out. But I do know this. By the way, war crime literally has no statute of limitation, right? You're talking about killing people in mass quantities. I do know this for a fact. Lyndon B. Johnson literally has a a landscape model in the White House where he actually designate bombing target during the Vietnam War. As we know, a lot of U.S. bombings by those B-52s have hit the hospitals, churches, all those innocent places. Many, many women and children died from those bombings. Should LBJ be considered a war criminal? Because he literally personally designate where to bomb. I think he's a total war criminal because he specifically said, let's bomb that area, bomb that target. What about George W. Bush for Iraq? Is that a war crime? Are we going to expect ICC to issue an arrest warrant of Bush? Right? We're not. Because ICC is a colonial court. I will call it a colonial court. Because it's in a country where the, all the colonizers reside. 
the arrests weren't usually issued to African countries, and today it's to to a Russian. Another one is what about the Catholic Church? What about Catholic Church? As we know, Catholic Church is a global organization. What about children being sexually abused by the Catholic Church? Is there a cover-up? Will there be an arrest warrant issued by ICC? I have not heard a single one. And there's a lot of sexual molestation happened by white priests against the culture too in South America. I heard. Is that a war crime or just international crime? I think ICC is very silent there, right? Go ahead, Johnny. You want you want to say something? Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. From what I understand about uh, Putin's uh, the reasoning behind uh, arresting Putin and taking those children is that's what they're saying. But what actually happened was, uh, from what I understand, Putin was actually following international law by taking innocent women and children out of harm's way during the war. So it's all a big PR move, you know. That's what. That's yeah. What I hear. Yeah, now, ICC. So, yeah, exactly. Go ahead. And there was a uh, guy to take issue with uh, something you said earlier about the progressives. Uh, you know, when, when when I talk about a progressive, let me let me define progressive in a simple way. FDR's idea of uh, the Second Bill of Rights: uh, the right to housing, the right to a uh, living wage, the right to education, the right to medicine, and the right to a job. It, that, in my view, is the true definition of a progressive. Now, we know that over the last 40 years, what has happened in, uh, in politics and in uh, the power grab in the United States since the neoliberal era, what has happened is the, the right went so far to the right, so extreme to the right to where they were totally ridiculous. And, uh, and, and that, that left the, uh, the, the Republicans taking the place of what the Democrats used to hold, right? You, you know, the offices, right? I remember, I recall one uh, um, politician said once, we can only dream, a Republican say once, we can only dream of passing the laws that the Democrats are now passing. Because we as Republicans fighting true progressivism could never come close, right? Because the majority of people are working class people that believe in a fair you know, a fair society where business, you can make money, but not to where you rule and take over the government. So when, uh, so when I hear, you know, people talk about progressives, the progressives have not been represented in their, in our country for 40 years. We lost that. So what's being represented is the Republicans against an extreme right. And that is by design. There's nobody, I can't even count them on one hand. We would almost AOC, you know, and she turned out to be a fraud. Bernie Sanders, unfortunately, didn't have the spine to fight back. So there's nobody representing true progressivism in the sense of the FDR, you know, uh, progressivism. So that's the challenge we face. And that's, I got I to, gotta, you know, push back and hold you to that. Please, you know, they're not progressive. You can call them Republicans against the extreme right, maybe that way, but definitely not progressive. But the progressive is the person who believes in the Second Bill of Rights. And that has turned into a dirty work, has it not? Because we're so supposedly socialist. But in my view, and in most people's view, I think, is what a progressive wants is a fair society, a fair society. It's fine. I don't want to take 
the uh, liberal. I don't want to take your ability to enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. You know, it, many people would argue that you don't deserve those, you know, that, that money that you're making, you know, um, manipulating the uh, manipulating Wall Street and laws, you know, through neoliberalism to make all the riches. But uh, we, 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 we just want it to where you don't have that much power to take over our government. That's what uh, progressivism is. So I yes. Well, I will, I'll tell you, Johnny. I, I don't mean to cut you short. You know, we. I, I, oh, hey, we laugh. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I we talk separately about the progressive because I will tell you. I will in quick way is this. I am sympathetic with the progressive, but I feel very uh, uh, fundamentally disappointed with uh, with them because they are not doing what they are supposed to do. They are just weak. They are just weak, and uh, it's a it's a non-starter as far as I'm concerned. And uh, and uh, well, that's, that's why I'm that's I'm a little bit believer. Right? I'm sorry. That's by, that's by design. What do you mean? Yeah, by you're design? right. Almost like by design. Yeah. yeah. One day we need to talk about this progressive. I know Vila loves to talk about progressives too. That right. you know, I, I mean, again, I will discuss that in a very impartial, neutral perspective, right? I would just like, uh, first of all, you know, you're not going to get there. You don't even have a path. You never think of what's your path to achieve exactly. what you want to achieve. You don't. I, I, then don't I even, agree. don't I even. Agree 100%. There is no yeah. path. And that's There's no problem. You pointed it out in the Supreme Court. I mean, gosh, if the Supreme Court is corrupt under neoliberal oligarchy, you know what I mean? Because we, yeah. we, we understand the corruption. The corruption isn't the. Uh, the idea that here, let me give you money so that you can do what I want you to do. More, I've got the money, and if you like a nice life, agree with me. And they exactly. agree with them, and they're they're happy with their their lifelong Supreme Court, you know. And the media is very happy going to the parties as long as they print, you know, what uh, what you know what the oligarchs and rich media personnel wants the people to hear. So it's all. That kind of corruption. And my question, and you're right, you're exactly right. There is no path. You know that there is no path. Yeah. The only path, actually, there is, is revolution, and we're not going to have that simply because we're liberal. Now, here's a question for you. It's really interesting. Now, I haven't read the book by John Ross, who said, who wrote a book called Great China. I understand that you're from China, or you're yes, you're yes, from I'm from China. Yes. Uh, so he writes about how it is that. The, the, the collectivist and the Chinese culture, the collectivist, uh, it's more important to do for the collective, the many, than it is the individual, right? Eastern philosophy, Eastern governance, right? And what was really interesting to me and what brought my attention, what brought me thinking about this was that how is it that in the Jing, uh, Xi Jinping's idea, his, in, in, in his book, he writes something to the effect that if I allow individuals to voice their opinions about the governance, then I allow liberalism. And liberalism is the last thing I want because look what's happened over there in the West. So therefore, he says, I will, I, will, I will supplant, I will push down the individual's thoughts and, and freedoms to voice in order to keep the whole together. And mm -hmm. what I keep together as a whole is reasonable for the uh, for for the society, what are your thoughts on that? Th that's interesting. Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, 
uh, Johnny, because I am contemplating, I've been contemplating of doing a different show. Uh, it's called uh, Geopolitics Equals uh, uh, Ethnopolitics. Just talking about geopolitical topics. Because uh, I know it takes a lot of time, uh, out of my time to do this kind of a podcast, right? But I would love to uh, explore more. And you have my, you can DM me and we can talk offline about that, right? Sure. So okay. and, so okay. let me continue with, with uh, what I want to say for about okay. this. So, so I, uh, you know, going back to this international criminal court, what Julian Assange exposed are criminal conduct by the U.S. government. Is that right? So if the U.S. court can issue an arrest warrant against the Australia citizen giving publicized U.S. criminal conduct in a foreign press, is if that is a international crime, but uh, for which a U.S. warrant is issued, then how come the ICC did not issue a warrant against the criminals that are depicted in 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 the material that the Julian Assange exposed? Who are the criminals here? So 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 going back is that ICC. You know, uh, again, going back to what Scott Ritter said, you know, this is just a European court of the Europeans, by the Europeans, and for the Europeans. You know, on my show, I have repeatedly cited this particular teaching material, school material, 1826, Moral and the Political Chart of the Inhabited World. Russians and Africans and the Native Americans are all labeled as a savages. The international court, a uh, criminal court are for savages. You know, as the most recent, uh, 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 declaration by this, uh, 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 EU foreign policy chief, uh, Joseph Borrell, he said, Europe is a garden. The rest of the world is jungle. Right? So ICC is a garden court. Against the jungle people, no. So the, the, no matter how they attach the name, uh, the name of the court, the content of what they're doing is entirely unjustifiable. So, 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 so that is uh, what I want to talk about. And lastly, you know, talking about progressive, I'll give you another example how progressive is so useless, clueless. On the on this uh, channel called the Democracy Now, I, I wish I follow Democracy Now. They did a, a episode about Japanese Americans coming up in support of a migrants. So Democracy Now is a very progressive channel, but my question to them is this: What is the relation between the migrants coming out from uh, the? Mexico border, Mexico, um, U.S. Mexico border, and the 120 some Japanese interned during the Second World War. I mean, there's a similarity because there's a camp for the Japanese Americans and there's a camp for these migrants on the surface. But you cannot be this stupid not to know the difference between the two. They are literally apples and oranges. Those Japanese Americans interned, they are, they, most of them are born and raised in the United States. They are born Americans. 
Migrants, I have a lot of sympathy for the migrants. I have said before, which I'll touch later. But the, for the fact that these progressive channel, democracy now, you would think they are smart enough to know the difference. The difference of the apple to an orange. But they will still force the issue saying these Japanese Americans support these migrants because they are interned back in the Second World War. We're not having a war now. These are migrants, you know, they're coming, they, 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 are, they are foreign nationals. You cannot force the issue fraudulently. You make yourself look very stupid, almost retard. Okay. This is why I said these are the progressive today. To me, I have a sympathy for these migrants. I have said in uh, this guy's show, a uh, Mike Drop, his show. He he talks about the politics of immigration uh, last week. You know, I called in and he agreed with me. I said I'm sympathetic to these migrants because of this, despite the fact that say all these migrants are economic immigrants, meaning they try to get into USA for economic reasons. Usually, these are the grounds to not to admit them. But I still support them to be admitted into United States because I can clearly see these people are the victims of our foreign policy devised by the deep state, by the military industrial complex. Because we are waging, we don't respect other countries' borders. We interfere with their politics, with their economy, with their everything. That's why these migrants, their home country was messed up. That's why they had no other choice. But for their own safety, they have to come to this country to seek refugee. So as long as we interfere with other countries, as long as we disrespect other people's borders, then we should allow these migrants coming into this country. And it has nothing to do with the Japanese internment. The Japanese internment camp and the decision by the U.S. Supreme Court then allowed the deep state to do anything within the border of the United States. Because as long as the government can say there is a national security threat, they can say nobody is allowed to use TikTok. They can say no Chinese can buy lands in Texas. They can say no Chinese can be tenure professors in U.S. colleges. They will say that. That's given by the Japanese internment cases. And it has nothing to do with the migrants. This is why I said, I don't think I'm awoke. What I said here has to be based in facts and the law on the book. Okay? All those progressive, those woke, they can make up whatever they may want to make up. It's only going to be very effective to defeat their own purposes. So for that, I will never be part of the so-called woke because I, you know, I'm just going to have to follow the facts because of being honest with what you're saying is to me, to me is very important. The mainstream media has no shame. They have more, they have no moral. Okay. I want to kind of maintain some moral standard, same, some, some, some level of intellectual honesty, you know, to, 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 to do this show. Because otherwise, you know, I will just be another biased, weaponized opinionator, which I intend not to be. So, so that's pretty much what I want to say. 
Uh, any comments, Brady? Snoopy? Velat? I was responding to Vlad's question in the comments, and I'll explain exactly what happened to the synthetic left stopping wars like in the 60s. And what happened is the government weaponized artists like the Velvet Underground and tried to make it look not cool to be a hippie anymore, to, to make the hippies look feckless, kind of like Schnarf. The basically, the philosophy of Schnarf was enacted by the government through the Velvet Underground. And the hippies started, American, basically American youth, started doing uh, stimulants instead of psychedelics. And turned them into psychopaths instead of empathetic uh, or what you would consider to be woke. I hear you. Go ahead, Vilat. No, thanks for that, because that's what I was wondering. If there's going to be any type of retard, uh, retarding of war, well, what happened to the anti-war left? But the problem is, everybody's the one that became a bandwagon jumper for Ukraine. They kind of lost that title. So again, what happened to the synthetic leftists? Will it ever grow up? Will it ever become the real deal? Will it ever grow a spine or grow the gonads that it needs to man up, woman up to the movement? Well, I, I certainly have the spine and, and the genitals necessary to do anything um, you demand of the... Uh, the and not, and not to mention, uh, on the proxy party, uh, you're going to need a VP. What about Stormy Daniels for VP, Brady? She's interested. I don't think there's too many people interested in voting for VP. I gotta, I gotta ask you guys something real quick, okay? Johnny here, Brady and Vlad. Brady, you you mentioned the government a couple of times, and I've heard the word government. But let me ask you, would you agree that our government has been taken over by neoliberals who have the power to, to continue the neoliberal ideology? Would you agree with that statement? Over by a lot of interests. Neoliberals are... I'm sorry? What did you say? It's been taken over by the central banking system that's... Uh, run by the Rothschild family, the the uh, World Bank Group is what has taken over America, and uh, neoliberals are some members of the World Bank Group happen to be neoliberals. I would say they're mostly conservative, but um, certainly there are neoliberal members of the world. Okay, so liberal, the reason why I asked it. Now, the reason why I ask this is, if I'm not mistaken, you, your point was that there's, number one, there's no spine, and number two, that uh, they, 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 they didn't do anything, they didn't fight back. And, uh, and I would argue that neoliberals, of course, are both wear blue and red suits. And neoliberalism basically is this, as I've mentioned before, this ideology that says that we're going to emphasize the rights of the individual, and the individuals, if they want to make a whole bunch of money, they have the right to buy and sell across nations and to try their very best to make laws to dilute the nations that they want to buy and sell, to dilute their laws, dilute their, or how can I say, stamp down their laws that inhibits them from doing so, right? That, that, that promotes uh, uh, competition. So when I, and I, and I hear it time and time and time again, 
the government, the government, the government. Now, now when I when I vision envision a government of by and for the people, I envision a government or a type of society that says, yes, you have a right to make money, and yes, you have a, a right to live in a in a decent society, and yes, we can as a government that has laws that are not captured. The Supreme Court isn't captured. Media isn't captured. Nobody's captured by rich people. That we can go forward in with uh, uh, of what is called uh, the, the the rule of law and not the rule of men. Is there a specific question? So here's my point. Here's my point. When I hear people say the government, I always have to stop and say, you know, isn't it better? Isn't it a better, more accurate description if we were to say the oligarchs have captured our government? Because <laughs> You know what I mean? And I also and, wanted to touch on the, your, loose, uh, your use well, of the word ahead. neoliberal. I think whoever invented the term neoliberal did a bad job inventing that word. I would have uh, coined it as a synthetic liberal. Neoliberal implies that it's the new form of liberal or like the evolution of liberalism, it, when in fact it's the opposite of that. So I think a more accurate term for these people would be synthetic liberal. And that would really clarify things, I think, right off. And uh, and in uh, in uh, my conversation at the very beginning of this show, I pointed out and pointed uh, to a reference that I use to define neoliberalism. I find it the best. I mean, there's a lot of people given a lot of different definitions about neoliberalism, but this five-part ser- part series on neoliberalism called "This Is Neoliberalism" takes it back from the beginning, where it started, where it originated, in the history of uh, the thought and how it influenced all of society and now the world. You know, so that's where I take my definition. And when I see uh, arguments that would say, when I hear and see arguments that point to articles of a few judges, a few uh, uh, judges in the court system that says we no longer have a system, a judiciary system that represents law, but rather political ideology. That is a good example, an excellent example of how neoliberal neoliberalism has worked, and um, and and I just you know I, I just urge everybody in this you know to watch that and see what and see what you think. So lastly, there was one other point, um, one other point I wanted to make. That is that the the gosh, I forgot my train of thought now. I. I it's okay. Think, it's okay. Uh, no, 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 no Johnny, stay on. Let let Stupi speak. Uh, why why do you accept uh, the uh, speaker? So let Stupi talk, and then you probably will remember what you want. Okay. Go ahead, Stupi. I don't. I don't want to change the. I don't want to interrupt if, if you guys are. Uh, I, I, my no, point, you're not. You're not. Okay. Uh, Johnny is uh, in, uh, encourage us to look at this uh, video about neoliberalism, and uh, he is. Uh, He's, uh, he did not remember what else he wants to talk about. So go ahead, Stupi. Okay, yeah, my point was about the ICC. Um, uh, it was interesting. I thought it was really interesting that, of course, yeah, they mostly go after, almost entirely go after African leaders. Yes, um, that's but a they, joke. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but they did also go after uh, the Serbian leadership, uh, Milosevic and Mladic and those, uh, I forget the other guys. Yeah. Um, so it is like, yeah, very weaponized by the U.S. and NATO to... Yeah, it is a. I agree, it is a colonial court, but it's interesting that it puts Serbia and anything kind of aligned with Russia in that same category, you know, of a, of a colonized subject country, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so, and um, 
and Vlad was saying something about them having no um, executive power to enact arrest. But I think what happens is that uh, if the leader, like they had put an arrest warrant for Omar al-Bashir in Sudan, Okay. 2009-2010 and what it means is that yeah they can't go into to Sudan and arrest him but if he travels to another country they can that country can choose to not let him leave and, and give him up to the ICC so he was like trapped in Sudan for a long time and wasn't going anywhere uh, that's interesting because I think they're going to issue one for uh, Rwanda's president so because he, he can they can accuse him being a, a war criminal too oh um, he's He's a puppet of the U.S., so they were... Yeah, yeah, okay. I, yeah, they actually used it against his opposition. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I see. I don't, enough, uh, I don't know enough about Africans, but uh, going back to what you just said is that... Because uh, we are, this month is the 20 years Iraq war, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, this clearly a war crime case here because uh, I just want to win one piece of evidence. What is in that little bottle that Colin Powell shaked? In front of the U U UN assembly, right? I just want to let. I just want. What is the substance? How they come up with it? Is that a, is there a deliberate criminal intent? Oh, I think it was. Uh, wasn't it washing powder? I don't like, yeah, Someone says detergent. I was like, yeah, let's find out. It, it's a case, right? It's a it's a probable cause that Colin Powell or someone below him has uh, conspired as a group to come up with this. Uh, you know evidence to do this right it's a crime that's a war crime <laughs> so, uh, go ahead johnny if you re remember some uh yeah. what you go ahead yeah I, I, I do remember so so in my view what has happened what is happening is a argument and a fight between neoliberalism and collectivism and this is why russia is so important and why the beginning of the war in russia has made such an impact around the world and introduced and furthered what is multipolarity, uh, you know, where all nations are viewed equally. Uh, what Putin and Russia represent is this idea that says, no, rich people, you're not going to take over my government. You're not going to buy politicians. Matter of fact, if I recall correctly, uh, Putin in a recent speech, maybe, maybe no more than two months ago, had actually told those oligarchs that he kicked out of the country that they're welcome back and they can do business again in Russia, but he welcomes them as long as they behave. But whether or not the people will welcome them is another story. So mm -hmm. basically, now, now to, uh, to Brady's point about his understanding of you know the monetary system, yes, definitely. The uh, oligarchs use the monetary system, the IMF, the World Bank, to control, right? Now we see... The, the, the loosening of this uh, hegemony by de-dollarization around the world, where Russia, Russia and China has been very active in promoting BRICS and all the other organizations that under, to try to invent and try to establish a new system in which they can buy and sell oil. You know, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia's move towards China. So what what the what I mean by 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 this by this argument is that. At root, my worldview, again, is all surrounded and all in the context of the ideology of neoliberalism against, you know, against uh, the, the other people, most people in the world. And uh, I would argue that every aspect of our lives is rooted in this ideology. My question to people is how we overcome. Russia's overcoming. Russia's overcoming, but 
Yeah, and even then, you know, uh, how how do you get a society? How do you get a people that uh, people in power that says, "No thanks, I'm okay with my party. I don't need to go to your special elite party. I have my own parties." Yeah, okay, money. I've got money. I'm not worried about money. I'm more worried about the people. How do you create something like that? Now, this may be out of the context of this uh, conversation, but everything we talk about is all, all, in my view, all rooted in the ideology that we must overcome. We have to. Because if not, then, yeah, it's a real grim picture. It is. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I'll just add some, 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 something. Like, I, the reason I'm still the biggest believer of America is that think about all these shenanigans in the courts by these weaponized lawyers and uh, grudgeful judges and all that. When it comes to a criminal case, it's still there's a trial by uh, your peers, by a jury, is the fundamental right of for, of any individual under it, right? Because I know yeah. ICC is not done by a jury because, you know, ICC even put and got arrested. Who will be the trial of the judges? Who got the, who appoint the judges, give them power? Well, some European countries, you know, exactly what, why those power, where those authority comes from, nobody knows, right? And, but yeah. here in this country, if you're accused to be by government, by uh, weaponized prosecutors, whether it's a left or right, doesn't matter, right? You are still, have the opportunity to prove your innocence in front of your peers. That's what's great about democracy. Now, did the court, had the court damaged that? Yes, because we all know, uh, um, uh, 90, over 90% of the incarcerated people, they all took a plea. They, they did not go through a trial by jury at all, right? That's not what the U.S. democracy is about, right? So, yeah, this is a lot need to be done. I, 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 I still have hope. Because I think uh, the recent concept called the MAGA communist is a pretty attractive to me. Because I don't think I'm a woke person, uh, and uh, but at the same time I do strongly believe they need a, a revolution, and uh, and uh, and I don't have any hope with the so-called progressives, and uh, and uh, and uh, but you know, but I, but I strongly encourage everybody just using calling platform, social media platform to engage with others. To see, hey, what we can do in under these green circumstances, we are really falling apart in this country because uh, even the courts are being called an uh, imperial Supreme Court. That is a very strong word, right? Yeah. You know. Brady had mentioned earlier. Brady, I think okay. pretty well, you, Johnny. You I'm actually starting a third party right. called the Proxy Party. It's platforms in the chat if you want to check it out, but it's a way to work. Okay. I was going to ask Brady what, what you meant by woke. Because I think that. Uh, good question. Yeah. They like to use the Donald Glover childish Gambino definition where it's like, if you want it, you can have it. Got to get it out there and get it. But stay woke because ninjas creeping. Okay. They're going out there and you're trying to catch you okay. sleeping and they're going to mess you up. So it's about heightened awareness. So the, my definition of woke is an elevated sense of perception or awareness, right? Ele literally elevated consciousness as opposed to being asleep. Like it's further away from your waking consciousness. Like there's uh, asleep, there's awake, and then there's woke. You know, woke is like more than awake. You have a heightened awareness. I hope that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you, would you argue that that is one 
the idea of being awoke, more this heightened sense of uh, of awareness of what's going on, or this we call worldview that sees things a little bit maybe broader. The has very successfully weaponized the term against uh, its original definition. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, we, we can totally have a debate because Brady, uh, saying this show is a woke show to the extreme. I disagree with him. So we should have a panel of a jury and judges. Like a Stubby should be one, Vela should be one, and Johnny should be one. You know, you have to listen to Alisa's, uh, go ahead, Johnny. Go ahead, Johnny. You know the, the the weaponizing of this advanced understanding, this advanced awareness. That that uh, I understand that that's you know there's nothing wrong with having an awareness. You know with what's going on. What's wrong is that those in power take that awareness and use it against the people, use it against ordinary everyday citizens. And here's the problem. Here's what establishes that power. The fact that there's nobody to rebut, there's no opportunity to rebut, and say no social democrat, no we're not going to focus about, we're not going to focus on gay rights, we're not going to focus on this, we're not, we're, going to, we're not going to focus on that, because we know that by focusing on these moral, uh, 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 ethical, religious, non, you'll never come to the bottom of it, right? By mm -hmm. doing that, you're taken away from the more important questions, the more important topic, which is, in my view at least, to get our country back from the son of a bitch that took it from us. And now we can get back to the rule of law. Now we can well, have... If you want to do that, you're going to have to be way more specific than the son of a bitches that took it from us. What did you say, Brady? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> if you want to actually save the country, you're going to have to be more specific than the son of a bitches that took it from us, and you're going to be, have to be way more specific in the how. Because yeah, and that and that right there is so radical that I, I do, as a matter of fact, I do have a strategy, and it's crazy. I've talked to a lot of people about it. I've even started a call-in application a app about it, discussing the strategy, but nobody wants to talk about it. And I think partly because those people like, like, uh, like this gentleman here running this sh show, and like, uh, I mean, a lot of people, they put themselves on the line. If they're to say, look, I've done it like this. I've said, look, here's the strategy. What do you think? You Give me a reason why it wouldn't work. And for them to say, yeah, there's no reason it shouldn't work, puts them on the hook. Puts them on the hook to say, damn, I guess. The, the idea then, Brady, is the shit will get off the pot. We know what's at stake. Now, the problem is that every individual in America has a different tolerance level. You know, I will tolerate more than you, and you will tolerate more than so-and-so and so. -and -so. And this is what Merschheimer would say about the problem with liberalism is that nobody can come to first principle. The first principle, uh, first principle in revolution is, do you agree with this basic thing right here? And are you willing to fight for it? Fight for it in a way that you've never fought. And I'm not talking about armed revolution. I'm about a really smart, smart strategy that puts those oligarchs, those neoliberals, against each other. Against each other. It's almost like basically saying, look, you have two different types of capitalists. In neoliberalism, you have two different, you have the productive capitalist that says it makes a lot of sense to make things 
you know, to make money. And that's the way my capitalism works. And then the other type of capitalism, the neoliberal type of capitalism, says, I'm not really interested in making things. I'm interested in money making money and exploiting all that I can to get rich. And damn with the fact don't talk to me about freaking America and the British. I don't give a damn about no nations. I've got four yachts and three houses and three different countries. The hell with all that shit. I just want to make money. Now, how yeah, can we so, create a, go ahead. Uh, Johnny, so I know you are getting into a lot of details. So again, I think right. it, these will be great discussions on a separate right. episode, right? So right. by the way, you know, if you have a show, like I said, DM me and uh, I'll be happy to join. Uh, cause I have some right. crazy ideas about what the strategy should be adopted to make yeah. serious changes. And, uh, I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty passionate, not just about the problem we're observing, but the, the urgency of a come up with a practicable solution right, right. so, so let's right. go but setting and, that aside setting that yeah. aside not talking about it anymore i would only only just say a couple of things just one thing when we use words like government or when we use words like progressives progressivism you know the progressive party you know i think that part of our problem the reason why we're not going forward is that we're, we're we we're not actually using our words a little bit more carefully you know what i mean and and i would just say that and that's really important because um, it's words, you know, the, the way you communicate these words, it gives ideas. You know, like uh, last example, last example about white, white privilege, right? The taxpayer, the American taxpayer. What do you think when you say, well, I don't want my tax dollars to pay for freaking illegal aliens coming over to the United States, you know? What does that say? The taxpayer is the rich white man, the privileged guy that's freaking been here and that is taking advantage of that privilege. But yes. Yeah. Again. Yes, again. Yes. Those, those. Those again are the de details. That I think we can certainly dis discuss down the road, right? So, uh, because uh, uh, Stubi have a question for me. Go ahead, Stubi. Uh, uh, Johnny, stay on. Yeah. You know, you can. Okay. You, 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 right, you, you, you. Go ahead, Stubi. Hey. Uh, yeah. You were talking about this bill in Texas to ban uh, Chinese property owners, and I, I looked it up, and it was. It looks like it's uh, the Republicans that are that are pushing for it and the Democrats are generally against it. Okay. And it's being framed as, yeah, as, as a, by the Democrats as a sort of second Chinese exclusion act. Um, yeah. Yeah, but exactly. I, uh -huh. I kind of suspect since they're the same party that really the Democrats would prefer to let Chinese people buy, you know, the Chinese buyers are like some of the biggest, not just in the U S but in Canada too. There's this, uh, sort of problem of, of uh, foreign, not living in Canada, but like foreign uh, Chinese buyers uh -huh. buying up whole cities and, and it kind of drives, it makes it unaffordable for locals. So there's been a few of these, um, at least in Canada, there's this uh, added tax for foreign buyers that's trying to uh, prevent, you know, uh, the the any foreign buyers, not just Chinese, but like any foreign buyers, it adds, I think, 20% to the, to the, to the value of the home, uh -huh. but but the cities often do this after the fact, after it's already like you know the whole city, not the whole city, but you know so many like they kind of wait until it's too late and then they introduce it to try to look like they're doing something to to help locals be able to afford houses. Um, but it's kind of like cynical. They 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 don't do it before the fact. Um, and I was kind of watching it sweep across Canada. Like first it was Vancouver. Is completely unaffordable for locals um, because of the yeah, Chinese investment. 
Most uh-huh. I I should say mostly Chinese investment, and then uh-huh. Toronto as well uh, after that. Uh-huh. And then it was coming to Montreal where I was living, and I was thinking, I you know the the people were seeing house and condo prices going up, and they uh, they were sort of petitioning the government to to uh-huh. add this foreign tax now before uh-huh. it's too late. And and the the mayor and all of them uh, in Quebec were were saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it, but they were purposely slow to let to let it to kind of raise property values. Um, because of course they get a, a percentage of, of the, the, when it's bought, right. From uh-huh. the taxes. So there was this kind of cynical use of like populist, like, Oh, we're going to do something to protect the buyers, but they would do it too late. Um, so I, I understand any kind of worry as far as like rent control or, or, or price controls to, uh-huh. to limit, to limit foreign buyers with this tax. But I sus- but what happened that was interesting and Canada is like a very liberal country, right? Like the ultra mega liberal, uh, yeah. and, what they did is uh, with this Russian war, they they passed this bill to seize Russian assets and sell sell them. Uh-huh. And I just I don't know the paranoid part of me thinks that okay, well, there's so much Chinese owned property, and clearly China's next on the list of yes. countries to be at war with. So I'm like, how many you know billions or trillions in Chinese property may be up for seizure? Yes. Um, and I, and I suspect yeah. even though the Republicans are like, okay, let's ban Chinese ownership, the, the Democrats are like, no, let them buy it, and then we're going to uh-huh. seize it after uh-huh. a fact. Which which do you think is uh, worse, or which one is less honest? Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I, uh, this actually goes back to uh, my theory of this white privilege theory, right? It's uh, for the white majority to make the laws to harass the racial minority. It is the white majoritarian to uh, enforce the laws, even though the law looks very uh, not racist, but they can enforce the law in a racially discriminatory way by using their discretion. I call it white privilege. And then when it comes to when there's a controversy, the, the controversy reached to the courts, uh, the, 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 the white majoritarian in the judiciary can abuse their discretion to not to follow the law on the book. And at the expense of the racial minorities, you know, all these constitutional protected rights, such as uh, speech, such as uh, property rights, all those, they're all up for grabs. The, uh, so, so I have said uh, in my past episode, the Rosa Parks situation did not just happen on that day. It's been like, it's been like uh, Ida B. Wells fought the segregation and then 1900. Also, there's a, a widespread a streetcar boycott. So it's not just one day, one woman did one thing. The Chinese Exclusion Act just does, does not just happen one day. It actually, there's a lot of uh, state laws in California limiting the Chinese, the Japanese, what they can do and they cannot do. The Before the Japanese internment camps actually happen, Japanese is already being discriminated by the state laws back then. And, uh, you know, it is uh, not surprising because uh, we all know like this uh, Oklahoma uh, Black Wall Street being burned down. And the, every time when the whites sees the racial minorities prosper, doing well, they get jealous. But they need to do something, quote, legally, unquote. They used, they don't, they have to make a law first, right? And then if the law doesn't work, then let's enforce a particular law you know, in a sneaky way. 
and, and all that. So, so going back what you, uh, to Subhi said, it does really does not matter where a, you are a conservative or you are liberal. The neoliberal, by the way, is a perfect brand name. Because a neoliberal, even though I'm not an expert in that, Johnny, you are. First of all, liberal itself is a bad word for election politics. Calling yourself a neoliberal meaning I'm not a conservative. Conservatives are bad. They are bad for the racial minorities. So vote for me. Second, liberal is a bad word, but I'm a neoliberal. It's like a George Bush's compassionate conservative. Right, neocon, whatever it's called. They want to tweak these little words to get you buy into that. So buying to, uh, going back to this, uh, Texas law, it's, they, some critics already said, it's the exact repeat of the Japanese internment and the Chinese exclusion act. Because before those laws, before those executive action, action actually happened, already the racial animosity is clearly on display. By the white majoritarian powers. And that shows you why the reason I only focus on here on judicial white privilege is this. Whatever politics dictates on the ground, on the street, you will think these judges, well read, well educated, presumably in a very high moral ground, they would know that they have to have administer justice with an even hand. Right? Well, to the opposite, they don't. They actually become a part of the instrument for this kind of racial oppression. And I always said, the only good news for me is this. This kind of a white privilege tricks are now being used on white people, including very powerful white people, such as Donald J. Trump. Right? So, so I do not whether I answer your question or not, but that will be my response. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I know it's it's targeting. Uh, it's specifically like it's selectively enforced, and it's uh, mostly enforced on on uh, people of color. But I, I, my question was more like, you know, the the strategy of banning outright the the sales to to Chinese buyers versus the seizure after the fact. You know, which do you think is more evil, or which do you think is more honest? Uh, you mean compare Texas law versus Canada's uh, civil seizure, right? Yeah. Yeah. I will just give you a background. Again, you can tell that I'm pretty that, uh, straightforward, new, uh, impartial. Uh, there's a lot of complaints against the federal government. Back then, during the war on drugs, they actually uh, prematurely do a civil forfeiture of assets of those criminal defendants accused of uh, uh, drug trafficking. So they complain that therefore they cannot afford their own lawyers. They have to deal with the public defender and they end up in jail. So that is already a constitutional argument against those so-called civil forfeiture of assets. This is back in, well, maybe in the, maybe 15 years ago. Okay. Uh, so that itself, you can tell us that every time government sees someone's property is prohibited by the constitution. They know that. They all know that. All these government doesn't matter what, what side they are, whether they are conservative or, or progressive. They all know that. What they usually do, they will just come up with those nice little excuses. Right? You know, oh, remember, 
Adolf Hitler has a perfect excuse for concentration camp. He literally told those Jewish people, we put you to the camp to protect you from the incoming Red Army. The Red Army is about to kill you all. I, I am out of Hitler. I'm trying to protect you. So just get on the train, go to those concentration camp. These property seizure or property banning, these are laws. Are they clearly, whatever they want to say, whatever white lies they put up with, they are clearly targeted towards one group of people. They don't do it since uh, 10 years ago when the rent is just as high. But they now they will say, oh, we suddenly realize we need to protect these renters. Therefore, we're going to post a tax on Chinese buyers. These are politicians. You know, uh, to me, they're, they're equally bad because they all is trying to break law and pretending they did not break the law. Like it's always said, the government is the lawbreaker here. Hey, Amanda, go ahead. Hey, Peter. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure that you answered Stoopy's question, but I was just going to add that I, I think there's um, the, a lot of times just because of government, <clears throat> how long it takes. I know in California because of public records law. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Johnny, I have invited you to be the speaker because I want to hear from Amanda. So that's why, because you're just, sorry, go ahead, Amanda. Oh, that's okay. Um, there's like requirements that things have to be posted a certain length of time. It has to be posted in the newspaper if you're passing new legislation for anything. So the amount of time it takes from the idea of we need a law for this thing to all of the public meetings required. And I don't know the process in Canada, but mm -hmm. it can take, I mean, when we, uh, when I was on the board, we were looking at um, changing like two sentences of one of our legislative things. And it took us a whole year worth of meetings and staff reports. And then staff report has to go back and revise. So the mm -hmm. amount of time and there's lead time before so before it gets to be a visible, complainable about pro problem, like mm -hmm. when it's when there's already a bunch of Chinese that are or foreign investors that are causing rents to go up and property values to go up in ways that make it so locals can't afford it. By mm -hmm. the time it becomes an issue that you notice, it's already past the point where it's too late. And then it takes you at least a year to get through legislation through. And that's if there's no lobbying. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Actually, so, you brought up a great question. Uh, 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 let me say that out loud before I forgot. Uh, so first of all, uh, uh, you are correct, Amanda. I'm, I might not have answered Stubi's question to, so I answer Stubi's question is that I believe the, both the seizure of Russian assets in Canada and the, Texas uh, uh, law banning Chinese to purchase a real uh, land are equally bad for the reasons that these are typical Western government uh, tactics or measures against their own law to go after a certain group of people. So let me put that out first, because I'm not a big believer of government, not because uh uh, you know, uh, some racial minority believe a government is the one who handing the, the money so they can buy a, a food for, uh, through food stamps and all that. No, no, no. I was like, 
the government is the one behind the slavery. The government is the one behind separate but equal. The government is the one who screw you generation after generation. Okay, the government never do you any good. So going back to what、uh, Amanda is saying is this: I will give you an example.、Uh, regardless of what government you're at, Philadelphia in the nineteen、oh, year two thousand, city of Philadelphia. You cannot say it's a Republican government, right? Proposed to build a baseball stadium right next to Chinatown, right next to Chinatown, almost like within Chinatown, Philadelphia. I went there to protest in the city hall. Now, it's to me that back then it's not a Republican question or Democrat、uh, question; it's a government question. You know why I believe?、Uh, you know what, what what I believe actually happened? These city council members or the people in the government, they know the Chinese has money, they know the Chinese has cash. They want to put out this so that they can be bribed for their vote. I'm I'm this cynical, okay? I I'm just a strong believer. Government has the same tendency to break laws, even not more tendency to break laws. So the end results of that protest is that. The baseball、uh, field is built in with other uh, 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 sports uh, arena, such as the football stadium and the hockey uh, uh, arena. And recently, the Philadelphia City Council proposed to build Sixer, the basketball arena, in Chinatown again. So, here's the thing: you can praise any religion. Muslim, uh, 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 Christian, whatever you will believe, or people will love each other. Well, guess what? I have a news for you. People don't. People have jealousies. Okay, when the blacks have their Black Wall Street in Oklahoma, the whites would love to burn them down. Doesn't matter. You have a law to do it, or you just have a little accusation of a a white woman being assaulted by a black guy. Doesn't matter. All you need is an excuse. That can be a governmental, can be private. Now, for so you are going to have these private to private wrongs, right? You will have this situation where Brady may censor another calling person and all that. That's a private to private. The key is this: the government always stepping to be that lawbreaker. They want to make a law to harass. The police want to come out and enforce the law to harass. And the courts, even worse, they will step. To be a proactive actor, to render a case law, a decision, say yes, go ahead, do a separate but equal policies against the blacks. So that's where I'm coming from. So go ahead, Amanda. I don't mean to cut you short. No, I I said what I I said what I needed to say. I, I appreciate I appreciate your position. I'm just saying that laws are way behind what is actually going on on the ground. And、um, I related specifically to judicial white privilege. You know that is the that is where your remedy comes if you can't get your government to remedy a complaint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And don't get me started on civil asset forfeiture because. <sighs> Yeah,、uh, Subi is right. That civil asset forfeiture is the same ring of things. Uh, because uh, Subi, you can Google that civil forfeiture. It, there's a lot of topics in in that, and uh, uh, that is a race has nothing to do with that. Right. But of 
in the in the. Well, I wanted to add that they were find civil asset redemption. Is that that's the thing? You can't get that shit. Well, I wanted to add that they were using sanctions as the sort of legal thing to do the the asset uh, seizure in Canada. They, I think, they added uh, a thousand or there's, there's over a thousand sanctioned Russian people on the list, so they could just, you know, and of course they were very rich Russian people who who owned a lot of the, you know, the, the properties. So they were calling them, oh, it's oligarchs. You know, we have one thousand something oligarchs on this uh, sanctions list. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, I just realized I need to bring this up. Is this, you know, the TikTok is in the news again, right? I know Brady is a heavy TikTok user, and uh, it is uh, it, uh, Trump appointed uh, uh, a judge, a new judge in Washington D.C. His name is uh, Carl Nichols, I believe. He is on the TikTok case. Back in 2020, uh, 2019 or something. That's when Trump is uh, f- trying to force the sale of TikTok. And there's a lot of discussions. That judge literally put it down, saying, no, you cannot do that under the U.S. Constitution. Uh, you cannot force anyone to, uh, to sell anything. I, I think I did a, a episode called uh, Another White Victim of a White, Judicial White Privilege, meaning this is a couple in Delaware. Uh, I mean, the, the couple is in New York City. They have a very successful translation business, about $400 million. They have a divorce proceeding going. The Dallas Chancery Court, the business court, forced the company to be sold. Alan Dershowitz took the case and came down to Delaware saying the government, the court cannot force the sale of a private property, no matter, unless that person commit a crime. You cannot force the sale of his assets and all that. But these are the things that, that you, you as we know, now Joe Biden is in the office. The Congress is doing it again. These people in the government, most of them are lawyers. You would think they know what the Constitution said, but they don't follow the Constitution. Their political urge overpower their obligation to follow the law. Okay? Because the U.S. is very special. Going back to Canada, Stoopy, I probably should pull back what I, uh, what I said earlier is that probably... Texas law is worse than the Canada's civil uh, forfeiture of Russian assets. And I'll tell you why. In all the British colonies, except the United States, the liberty and freedom of the people is from the queen, from the monarchy. The power of the monarchy to give you those freedom is from God. That's how it's laid it out. In the U.S., the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence saying this, our rights and liberty is not given by our government, not given by some kind of a law. It's given by a divine entity. We are the personal sovereignty. Each one of us is like a little country. We lend our power to the government on a temporary basis. That's why we have term limits. That's why we have an election. This is where we are consent to be governed by the government. So we are, the Americans are very different from the Canadians. Okay. In the Canada, I'm pretty sure that's still the case. The Queen say, okay, you will be the governor of Canada and then you can have a prime minister to run the country. But eventually the citizens of Canada are subject of the Queen, of the monarchy. Right. That's how it's laid out. 
That's why the U.S. had a rebellion against the British. That's we have a different narrative. We see our rights, each individual, our rights and liberty and freedom is so sacred. It's because it's from a divine entity, not from any government. That's why Heidi, who is not here today, Heidi is right on. She said about the Dobbs decision. Whatever a woman wants to do with her body is entirely herself. It's God-given rights. In other words, no government can say, we're going to pass a law to allow women to have abortion. No, the government cannot have any law to give liberty because those liberty is given by the divine entity, period. That's our belief. If you don't believe that, you are not American. Sorry, I'm going long. That definition, I am very un-American. I believe that my rights are granted to me through my two hands and my own consciousness, which allows me to the right to do whatever I want. And luckily for me, um, what I want is uh, good enough to keep me going. Um, and I'd also like to ask, what can be done to change the Supreme Court that would make it... Uh, less anarchistic like i like what do you guys think of like changing um judges every year like electing new judges every single year might be like I, yeah i uh, i have said you know turn limits should be applicable to all federal offices including judges i mean it's not like a carved in the stone that judge cannot be a term you know nobody says a judge cannot be turned any you know we the people may not uh, consent to a judge who is so bad that we will be suffer from his or her decision for the rest of his or her life. You know, what, what is the point of that? Right. So, so I think that is what I already propose is that, which is not any, cannot be considered a radical proposal, but it is a radical change is that all these bar association, we do not need to have a fixed so, someone to be a judge. We let, let all these lawyers to rotate to be a judge. So they can all experience how to become a good judge and they can all receive, uh, uh, the benefit or the, or, or, or the insult by a good judge or a bad judge. So we, the, we the people should have a judicial performance, uh, 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 committee to evaluate these uh, rotating judges before they can be Put on some kind of a longer term limits and all that. It's just basically let, let it flow. You know, in Chinese, there's a saying, if the water is running, that water will not become rotten. If the water stays still in a fixed place, one day the water will become rotten and smelly. So, so that is the judiciary, what I'm saying. Go ahead, Johnny. Uh, that's a good saying. That's a good saying. I'd like to agree with, uh, with you about term limits and, and Brady as well. Yeah, we definitely need term limits in, uh, in the judges. I'd like to just briefly state uh, about governance and government. Uh, I have a saying, and it goes like this. It says, all political discussion is nothing more than conversation starters for religious belief systems of thought. So when, uh, so when we speak of government, you know, what the government should or shouldn't do, the government in our Constitution ideally is my neighbor. My neighbor is elected to office, and those offices represent my interests, right? So uh, yeah, that's where the problem, that's where the difficulty comes in, because 
if we are a nation ruled by the rule of law, then the rule of law has in it the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law isn't something that we all agree on, right? Something that is given to us from above, right, in our Constitution. And that's where this, uh, the, whole, the whole problem becomes. But at times, it is so obvious in our lives and in generation, it's so obvious that there's something askew. And, uh, and that's what we strive to do in order to make a more perfect union. We try to identify what, did it, what went askew. How did it go askew? In what way did it go askew? And how can we get it back? And uh, that's, you know, so that's just my brief understanding of what I understand when I hear government. I hear government in the spiritual sense. That's my neighbor. And my neighbor is not going to agree. But surely we can come to a spiritual understanding. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Amanda, anything else you want to say? No, no, that's it. Uh, I'll listen. I'm learning a lot here. I'm listening. I'll listen. Are you okay, Amanda? Okay, cool. Anything else, guys? If not, yeah. I'll call it a day. Thank you to be the mo- yeah. moderator. Sayla was asking how many votes do you need to have a constitutional assembly in the USA? I don't know. It seems kind of obscure to me. Great question, uh, Shalei. Uh, so here's the thing, right? I actually is among those who actually do believe that the all the people should uh, get together to establish the minimum demand from all of us is the term limits. For that purpose, I do believe there is a opportunity to be uh, to to reach out to the MAGA people and uh, any folks on the on the progressive side that uh, to unite to enforce term limits. Let me just put it this way: Joe Biden is the best example why we need to have a term limit, whether he is a progressive or moderate or a race closet racist. I don't care what you want to call him; he is a total non-achievement person. Meaning, you know, you, you know, he just look at the promise he made. Okay, I mean, I'm not talking about the bad things he did. You know, the crime bill, the the crack cocaine versus the powder cocaine shit. Okay, I'm not talking about bad things. We know he did. We're talking about the good things he aspired and promised to do. When his uh, older son died of a brain cancer, he did a project called the Moonshot. Reportedly, there's a $10 million. He, he want to cure all the cancer. What happened to that? <laughs> Just Google that. When his uh, elder son died, he established a foundation called the Bo Biden's Foundation to prevent child sexual, uh, child abuse. By the way, Delaware has 800 children, mostly white children and Hispanic children sexually molested by one single pediatrician, in part because of the protection by the people in the Joe Biden family's hemisphere. Okay, what happened to that foundation? It's out. Remember, he he's a uh, thing called the Bill Back, uh, Bill Back Better. What happened to that Bill Back Better? So he is someone who just is not going to achieve anything you ask him to do. So 
you know, whether you call him neoliberal or whatever, I, it doesn't matter to me. To me, if there's a term limits, oh, by the way, Joe Biden has been in the Senate judiciary for, for how many years? 35 years, right? As you, you all know, this show is all about criticizing the judiciary of this democracy, right? So what good he did there? You know what? A lot of harm will not happen if Joe Biden had been term limited. Meaning, no matter how great his aspiration, how beautiful his words are, he can only do this much harm. Two terms as a senator, that's 12 years. Way better than 35 years or 36 years, right? So that's some, one thing I know we can all unite about. Go ahead, Amanda. So, so not, um, not specifically to the judicial branch because, because term limits isn't a thing for judges. I, I definitely think that having terms for judges, especially the Supreme Court, is one thing to consider regarding term limits for other elected officers. You could look at, at you could look at this as the government telling you who you're not allowed to vote for, and because after two terms, there's some people that holy fuck they're good at their job. Let's keep them in, but they wouldn't be allowed to stay. So there's there's a double edged sword. Frankly, if more citizens and voters would actually do the research and choose their their um, their candidates, not just based on party, but actually what they do. I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of against term limits. I think that we need to encourage people to throw the bums out. It's really complicated because of money and politics and the way that primaries have been taken over by the states instead of run by the parties. So we've got a lot of fucked up things about it, but overall, I'd rather fix all that other shit than just put term limits on because then you're going to have the government telling you who you're not allowed to vote for. I understand, you know, Amanda, uh, you know, again, uh, uh, this is only one thing I can think of because I'm going to use another example. Okay. I, uh, someone told me it's a good example when I talk about deep state. When a human being has cancer. A lot of people don't know about this, so, so I, I'm going to say it again. A cancer cell, uh, basically a healthy cell in your body is a cell that is, has its own term limits, meaning the cell is going to come out and grow and die eventually in the term limits. What is a cancer? Basically, a healthy person will have his cells replaced for a period, entire body replaced with a new set of cells after a period of time, right? The the youth, your youthfulness is simply represented by how good you are to, of that process. You put, you know, the old cell die, the young cell come out. That's how you grow, you know, for a baby, you know that. For an older person, for any mutation reason, whatever, environmental impact, a cancer cell are cells that will never die. It will grow forever. And the, in the midst of it, suck up all the resources, attention, 
all the glory for itself, for themselves. So a political a democracy without term limits is a democracy with the potential cancerous growth of a government power. And that is what's happening of, in America. What's happening in America. Instead of term limits, I guess, would it be a term limit if we simply elected or voted for new um, judges every year, like democratically? Like the way judges are selected now is like by the president, right? Yeah, there's a lot of nitty gritty stuff. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I don't want to be overly simplistic about this whole thing, right? I think Johnny has said it well before is that we are facing a grim situation, as these two law professors said. Now, they are only saying that grim situation on the U.S. Supreme Court. Remember, U.S. Supreme Court is made of the finest human being, purportedly, right? If the U.S. Supreme Court presents such a grim reality to all of us, think about the rest of the government. Think about the rest of the democracy. So this is why I'm going to back to Johnny is that how do we have a revolution? We have a duty. Not only we have the rights, we have a duty to abolish or alter our government because we, the people, have the final say. Remember, our rights and liberty and the power is given by divine, right? How to do that involving a lot of additional discussion. Just like, is Phil still there? I, I saw Phil earlier. You know, Phil and Rudy recently posted a, a, a speech by this guy, Patrice Lumumba, about how to form a United States of Africa. We in America can have the similar discussion. How we need to re-form our democracy, our government. Because we are facing a very grim situation. You know, regardless of uh, uh, China's rights or Russia's rights, we need to take care of our home affairs. First of all, most of all. So, so no, Amanda, I... Uh, I will, you and I have to agree to disagree on the term limits, but these are, uh, I don't want to be over simply simplistic. I look forward to, you know, hear from Johnny, from Vlad, you know, from most other people. Like I said, I'm totally good inviting MAGA people, such as Jenny. I know Jenny is a MAGA people, you know, to discuss this kind of, you know, solution when we face this kind of grim situation. Worshipper is the polite term to use. Say it again, Brady. I'm sorry. Dirty joke. Don't listen to me. <laughs> but great show, Peter. Again, I just want to thank you for doing this for us every weekend. Like, I think you have like a really interesting, unique perspective, man. And it's always a good show. And I think this uh, conversation about how to reform the Supreme Court is super useful, actually, to me. Oh, I appreciate it, Brady. Uh, you know, I know you are a victim of censorship. I'm not a censor myself. And uh, I, again, urge everyone, don't censor each other. Just let everybody talk and be, be respectful towards each other. And because uh, really, I think the government is, you know, the government is the lawbreaker. We need to work together to make some, you know, serious changes uh, very soon. So. So thank you, everybody, for stick around. Uh, thank you, July. And uh, hopefully, Rob, you and I can touch base next week and uh, and uh, see you next Sunday. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you so much.